Welcome to the Down the Pub podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Alex Brook. Alex is an AUS champion in Sign of X and got to play in Serbia where she played in Champions League. It really is a great story and I really enjoyed uh, hearing it. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Now on to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. I'm joined by Alex Brook. Uh, Alex was an AUS champion at Saint FX, and you've also played in Europe for Spartak Subotica. Am I saying that right? Subotica. Subotica. Okay, thank yeah. you. Uh, where you got to play in the Champions League? Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this week, Alex. Um, we're honoured to have a Champions League player with us. So um, um, where where did the love affair with football begin? Oh goodness! Well, thank you for having me. First of all. Um, Goodness, love affair is probably a good way to put it. <laughs> um, I was, I think I was four years old when I started playing. Um, and it was pretty much a done deal from then. I think I tried other sports. Um, my parents put me in ballet at one point. That did not go very well. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my poor parents. <laughs> well, they also, they supported this passion and really instilled in me the belief that I can do anything, which is quite amazing for me to look back on. Um, but Oh man, I used to dribble a soccer ball around the house and bang it off the wall, off the couch, <laughs> juggling in my room. Like, I was obsessed. I, I dragged my dad out. Um, I grew up in Calgary, so it'd be like minus 25, snow on the ground. We'd play under the street light after dinner, and I just loved that so much. And the fact that, you know, he was willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's amazing to look back on. I was really, really lucky. I guess the I guess the ballet would have helped with your with your footy skills, though, right? Your balance and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure the things I was doing when I was six, <laughs> running around. Was so, um, how how did you end how did you end up in uh, Nova Scotia? Oh, Nova Scotia. Um, yeah, well, leading up to university, I actually had my sights set on going to the states. Um, it's kind of alluring, you know, the prospect of having your school paid for and playing in the NCAA where sports are a big deal. Um, you know, not that they are in Canada, but it is a little bit different. Um, and I did get pretty far along in that. I actually had a few offers, but I never really decided I wanted to be closer to home. Um, and yeah, so for, I guess for better or worse, middle of grade 12 is when I really decided that you know soccer wasn't going to do much for me so I wanted to put academics first and um so I chose a soccer based on that uh insane effects I mean I visited it and I just fell in love my brother actually went there as well and he's three years older my mom is from Halifax so I mean I grew up here I mean I grew up coming out to Nova Scotia so yeah Nova Scotia was always kind of a nice place for me so I was really happy I made that decision yeah, it's um, it's definitely a long way from Calgary to here, but I guess if you have family that have that are from here and uh, know the place, it kind of helps a lot. So yeah, um, getting far away from home was another factor. I did want to, <laughs> I did want to be far away. <laughs> so so the the program itself at SNFX, the, the the soccer program, how yeah. did you find it? Well, like, is it a really good great, great program? Like, how do you um, how did you make it? Yeah, um, I'm actually I'm in a pretty unique position to answer that question just because I've been a part of that program through a lot of changes. Um, I played 2010 to 2014 for my undergrad and then I was back in 2016 to use my fifth year and then I was actually the assistant coach in 2018. So I've seen that program through almost a decade which is pretty crazy. Um, And yeah so my my first three years, actually, I had a different coach than the coach that's there now. Um, and it's, you know, it's a much different program now than it was then. And it's no discredit to, you know, the folks who are part of that program in my earlier years. But I do think it's pretty unbelievable what Graham Kennedy, who's the coach now, what he's done there. Um, he he coaches the men and the women's team, which is like oh, a huge job. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty unique, actually, huh? Yeah, like I, I haven't looked into it, but I, he must be one of the only coaches, you know, in the country doing that. Um, it's a huge job. <laughs> um, That's a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, Does he drink? <laughs> <laughs> he, likes, he likes a good pint. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, he when he took over that team, though, I think things really changed for me. Um, the program really changed. Uh, I actually wasn't enjoying soccer as much um, by the time like my fourth year turned around, and he really re-sparked that um, love inside me. And we see the game quite similarly as well. So overall, we were just a really good player-coach match. And that year, my fourth year, was a big, big rebuilding year for that program, as it usually is with a new coach. Um, we did not get results. It was I think we won like <laughs> one game that season. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, most of us on the team, we look back at that year so fondly. Um, and I feel really proud of being a part of laying the foundation for what that program is now. I mean, since then, like the year I went back, we won AUS for the third time in history. And that was like after the four year cycle of Graham took taking over, um, that, which is, that is must, pretty cool. That must have been huge. Like uh, to, to go from, <laughs> to go from winning one game, <laughs> to yeah. winning everything is like, it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild. And I mean, the program's still like, they're really doing well. It's a strong program. So yeah, I'm proud to be a part of it. Was there was there any not to pry, but was there any reason why you uh, you said you fell out of love with football? Was there any any particular reason that that caused that? Um, it's um, just, it seems strange that like you you know you've been playing it since you're four, and then suddenly you just kind of fall out of love with it. It's just um, yeah, I mean, I think it's natural for anything you devote that much time to that you're gonna be up and down with it. I went through that a little bit in high school as well. Um, I mean, like looking back, I just the nature of soccer you don't really get time off so I think it makes sense to me that I grew kind of tired of it um but also you know without getting too far into it um I am a certain kind of player um uh I, I'm really cerebral I like to think about the game I like to talk about it and analyze it um and just the coach I had in those first three years didn't really foster that or nourish that in me. And I felt a little bit stifled, I guess, in my growth, um, which, you know, I don't hold anything against him for that um, because many players flourished under him. So it was just a difference in how we saw the game. And I think it, it mostly was a frustration for me. Um, and also, you know, the team went through a lot in those years and the, I guess the culture of the team is it wasn't awesome um it's you know Graham puts a lot of time and energy into bringing in players that fit um the culture that he wants to create and something that's really healthy it's a competitive but um a lot of teamwork and support and I think just that work wasn't there in those first three years so it was just and I mean school was a big pressure too so um, yeah, I think it was just, uh, maybe a natural thing that happened, but I'm really happy I was able to end on a, on a good note. Yeah. Big time. Like, like you know, it's one of those things though. It's the same with anybody, but any kind of walk of life and, and work, there's managers and stuff that you get on with and there's others that you just don't yeah. seem to click. Right. It's just one of those things. It's nothing personal. It's just the way it happens sometimes. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, so you left, uh, before you came back to win the championship for them, um, yeah. you uh, you went back to to Calgary and you were um, you became a geologist. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So 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 you're you're in Calgary. You're geolo geologing. Um, what what brought you back to uh, Saint Avex? Oh goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah I was working as a geologist um, in the, for a private like oil and gas company, and uh, you know I I didn't hate it. I, I'll say that, but I I very quickly realized that just wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of looked at where I'd be in like 10 years if I stayed in that job and did not uh, excite me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can, I'm living example that money doesn't buy you happiness because I was doing well. It was nice, but um, yeah. Oh, man, my decision to go back to Santa Fe. Um I think, yeah, that realization had kind of hit me and I felt a little, you know, I, I call it my quarter life crisis. <laughs> um, just that you're like, okay, I don't want to do this, but like, now what? And 
Um, I actually had taken a bit of time off playing, but I had just started again. I think this was 2015, late 2015. Um, and it was actually when the Women's World Cup was in Canada. I think it was, yeah, summer 2015. And um, I don't know. I think that kind of just like reinvigorated me. <laughs> um, and Graham Kennedy was actually out visiting that summer. And we went to a game together. And I just remember this moment. We're st- like in the stands and the game is about to start. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of like, oh man, like I want to be playing. Like I hate watching this. And um, I said that to him and he just, I mean, I still don't really know if he did this intentionally or if it was just him like speaking like off the top of his head. But I just said, oh, like, gosh, like I want to be down there. And he just said, why don't you go play in Europe? And that was the end of it. <laughs> um, That's such a but, random thing to say. <laughs> no, but if you knew him, like I feel like it was kind of maybe tactful. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was the end of it, but it just stuck in my brain and it just sat there. And I just decided, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. And it was literally, that's, that was my decision. <laughs> and I actually ended up sending Graham this like 2,000 word email it, it was long and um, wow. he was the one that kind of enticed me to go back to St. FX. I mean, he was the coach, but he thought it would uh, be the best way for me to prepare myself to go overseas because I had been out of the game for a while. Um, and I think he thought it'd be really good for me to be back in that competitive, you know, you're playing every day environment. Um, and I just wasn't going to get that if I was in Calgary playing like women's league soccer um but it took a lot <laughs> of um convincing i really pushed back uh like i don't know i don't know if you know that feeling of you leave somewhere and you kind of close that chapter and that's how i felt about saint fx i had i had left and i had closed the door and i didn't really want to reopen it um but okay. I mean, essentially, I saw the light. <laughs> and, um, I went back, and oh my, it was that season was unbelievable. Uh, I'm so so happy that I made that decision. Um, it's yeah, it's wild to look back on that. <laughs> so so um so so that final year, you you win the the AOS championship and stuff like that. Yeah. So at what stage of the year did the, the the opportunity to to move to Europe come up then for you? Um, so that actually all happened like quite a while later. Um, I think, you know, I, I actually always say this now that I was very naive when I went into this. Um, and I, I will say that I kind of think you have to be naive to do these things. (laughs) Um, and to like, to go after like, you know, this big dream, um, just because I had really no idea how it worked. I didn't know anybody before me that had played professionally i think i knew one girl from my childhood that had but she was playing in the states um so it's it's a lot different and so i was really just like carving my own path and i literally was like after that season i made my own highlight video and i went on like the i i looked at basically every european league i looked up every team and I had to do a lot of translating <laughs> to find emails. And I was just sending my highlight video to like random coaches and teams all over Europe. And wow. Yeah. And I mean, like, maybe it's naive. I don't know. But like, I fully was convinced that, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. It'll be great. <laughs> um, and you know what? I actually got a ton of responses. I guess maybe that's the advantage of the women's game is that like they aren't inundated with players wanting to play for them all the time. So I actually was in contact with a lot of teams, but um, I kept running into the issue of, oh, yeah, like, you're a great player. We'd love to have you, but we have no money. Like, we can't bring you here. Um, And, like, that just kept happening and happening. And um, I had been reaching out to other contacts I had, like, some coaches from my youth, and they had contacts in Europe, and they would reach out, and things kind of would come up, but then they'd fall apart. Um, so it, I actually spent like many, many months just striking out and it was getting quite disheartening. And I ended up playing that summer 2017 in the UWS, um, the United Women's Soccer League, uh, in the States. I played on a semi-pro team based out of Calgary. Um, 
just so I could like keep playing and stay, you know, at in my fitness and um, be ready. And it was, I think, July or I think sometime in July where I figured I should maybe get an agent. <laughs> maybe that should have occurred to me sooner. But, <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there, there also aren't a lot of agents in the women's game. Like that's, it's really not much of a thing. And I only found, I think, two that were operating in the States. And Wow. Like it's but, so different to the men's game, isn't it? Like, a, like that, it's, I don't mean to be like demeaning to or anything like that, but I mean, yeah. like, you, you, like, you look at the way that the, the men's system is laid out and like how much struggle you had to go to just to get like even a trial, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know? So, so, sorry. So you had your, you yeah. your agent, it was your agent from the States that you got? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, based out of California and um, yeah, I basically like I'd sent him my video and then we had a chat on the phone and oh my God, like from there things just happened. I, you know, in hindsight should have done that from the start, but again, like, naive and you know i made it work as i did but um yeah he we spoke and then i think within a week he called me and was like hey like have this team in serbia and i'm kind of thinking like serbia i don't know where that is (laughs) (laughs) and yeah he (laughs) the i mean the big selling point was that they are a champions league team of course that's like huge and you would not say no to that um so I really didn't have to think about it. He, I think he called me on a, I think it was a Friday night or a Thursday night and I left on Tuesday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, That's crazy. It, yeah. <laughs> Looking back, it, I, it's wild. But again, like, it's, I think it's good I didn't have time because otherwise I would have started Googling. I would have been like, where's Serbia? Where's Gorica? Like, do they speak English? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when you, so when you arrive into, uh, you've got your, your opportunity, you, you arrive in Serbia. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there like a big welcoming committee <laughs> at the airport for you? Or like, how the hell, like, do you get around? Like, it, it just seems like such a, you know, like, Cause like, it's not, it's not Belgrade. It's like, it's, uh, it's like yeah. 200 miles away from Belgrade. So it's not like it's a little bit off the beaten track. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what was it like when you arrived? Oh, it's fun looking back on this. I, there's so many things I feel like I need to write down. So I, <laughs> I don't you need to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, yeah. That when I first arrived, I mean, I think I left Calgary at, 6 30 p.m or something and i i got to where i was living in subaritsa at like 2 a.m like then like two days later essentially um i got to belgrade and a woman picked me up and you know i'm still unclear what her position is at the club like <laughs> oh even now you don't know <laughs> i i can't remember it's some kind of like administrative position i think <laughs> she basically got me set up so i was like legal to live there but um okay. she picked me up um and we had some driver don't know who he was either but she i think it was like midnight or 11 or something and it was like a two three hour drive um from belgrade and it was a lot like right off the bat because i mean i didn't know anything about serbia um and she was telling me just what well she was asking me what i know about serbia and i told her not very much (laughs) um and you know i talked about like tennis they really like tennis like djokovic (laughs) there you Um, go (laughs) yeah that's about all i had to offer but she started telling me about like just got right into the they had a civil war that ended there um in like 1999 and just got right into that and she told me about you know she uh they had, she'd lost her home to like in a bomb and she had lost like her life's work i think she was a musician um so it was a pretty like heavy introduction uh, and i was also exhausted and we got there but then she the coaches and managers like wanted to meet me and i didn't really understand why i couldn't wait till the morning <laughs> So I met them at a gas station at like 1.30 a.m. <laughs> um, That's so weird. Yeah, they like to hang out at gas stations. 
Do they like uh, do they like gas station like hot dogs or something? <laughs> like, there's, yeah, there's a lot of like they'll have like a little like coffee place with like snacks, and they the coffee there at gas stations is actually really good. Um, but they'll sit around drinking espresso at two a.m. smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a lot, and then eventually they dropped me off at my apartment. Um, which is on like the sixth floor of this building, no elevator. <laughs> um, and I met my roommate who was from, uh, Equatorial Guinea and, oh my goodness, she like did not speak any English. Um, her first language was French, second language Spanish. <laughs> and they thought because I was Canadian that I'd be able to speak French. <laughs> They it don't know really Canada. <laughs> yeah, it was really unfortunate and kind of embarrassing for me. No, <laughs> my my French is quite poor. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was that. Well, that was a whole other thing living with her and not really being able to talk. <laughs> so 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 let's get let's get put this back into the timeline thing. So you leave, you leave Calgary. Yeah. You get into Belgrade. You're, you're picked up by mysterious woman yep. and mysterious man in care. Yep. Uh, she <laughs> she proceeds to tell you about the civil war, which you knew nothing about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get harangued into a gas station at one thirty in the morning to drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yes, I did not smoke cigarettes or, or drink coffee. <laughs> it, it just it it doesn't seem like the dream of you know like arriving at the airport and there's like fans cheering with flags and stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, women's soccer is not glamorous, <laughs> and I mean I'm sure it's not for men in a lot of places in the world too. But <laughs> yeah, that's. That, it definitely like uh, you. You wouldn't have wanted to watch like Taken or something before you left because <laughs> that's so scary as hell. To be honest, yeah. Um, sometimes I worry that I don't think about that stuff. Like, like I'm going to keep saying I'm naive, but I'm like I had no idea what I was getting into, and things like that don't bother me. Like not knowing doesn't bother me. But a lot of other people have said to me like, "Oh, like weren't you worried about this and this and this?" and I mean, I just didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to follow that dream, right? Um, so, so it's you and your friend from Equatorial Guinea in this apartment. Yeah. Um, what, what was your first day of training like? Um, wow. Yeah. So the first week was actually like, oh, it was a whirlwind because I guess that would have been like Wednesday or Thursday morning that I got there. I can't even, I, I can barely face this now, but I actually didn't train there because we, uh, we flew to Spain on the Friday. So I watched a training session on Thursday. Um, and I mean, that was just like a lot too. <laughs> I was super jet lagged and um, just like being in like the locker room with the team and they're all speaking Serbian. It was quite a lot all at once. Um, but it was nice to like watch that training session just because it did make me feel like, okay, like, I, I can be here because I did have that question in my head of, you know, am I good enough to be here? I really had no idea what the team was like. Um, but yeah, so I didn't train until we got to Spain. Uh, we left, which is also insane because I was a late addition of the team. So I was on a different flight from the rest of the team. <laughs> so I got on a bus, like a tiny like shuttle bus with, the goalkeeper coach and uh the like videographer guy <laughs> um at like 1 a.m and we drove to budapest <laughs> budapest to get on a flight to go to the canary islands <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> um, we drove all night and our flight was at like I think 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Were they re were they regaling you with tales of the Civil War as well, or did they give you a break? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a bit nicer because they both spoke. Well, I mean, she spoke English too, but um, no, they just wanted to chat about soccer. And the goalkeeper coach had these really good um, like biscuits with chocolate on them that I remember so well because <laughs> I had been really hungry because like I hadn't figured out food yet. I didn't really know what. I was doing <laughs> okay I wasn't really eating much so when he was feeding me these cookies at like 1am I was so happy <laughs> wow they were really nice but oh my gosh that was quite the trip because once we flew to the Canary Islands we had to take a boat 
to a different island. Um, it was like an who? hour boat ride. I don't mean to cut across you, but who the fuck is their tra- who's their travel agent? They sound terrible. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, the <laughs> I, I get really um, seasick. <laughs> and so, I mean, by that point, we were with the rest of the team; like they had all um, caught up. But the I looked at this boat, and it looked. I don't know if you've ever been to like BC or anything, but my only experience really on like a ferry quote unquote fairy is like a bc fairy and they're really big and they just like are really smooth <laughs> so i thought oh this would be fine but um oh my goodness i still like say that's one of the worst experiences of my life it was like open ocean and the whole boat was going side to side and up and down and i i puked for 45 minutes straight <laughs> which was essentially my first impression with like most of my teammates <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, and they, I think they all felt really bad for me, but they couldn't like really communicate with me, so it was just like they just sat with me. <laughs> I, I I wonder what the Serbian is for the Canadian girl, strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there were other people sick too, but <laughs> yeah. That oh was- wow, yeah. I, I'd imagine, like, you know, like a ferry in BC compared to one that's going across the Atlantic Ocean isn't really worth a comparison, to be honest. So, yeah, no, uh, it's much different. <laughs> so, so, what was the, um, so, so you got to the, you get to the Canaries, you, you puke your guts up, and then you finally get to go and, like, play football. Yes. Um, so, so in the, in the, in the training, uh, the first bit of training, did you see the step up in class and were you able to, like, um, do you think that did you know you were good enough to to, to play alongside these people? Mm. Yeah, I remember that session really well. Um, it was quite intimidating just because I felt like there was like expectation on me, and also, um, I mean, it's always it's hard going into a new team, regardless. Um, and that first practice was actually really really tough, just mostly because of the language barrier. Um, you know, I, I play center mid, usually in more of a defensive role. And that requires a lot of like close communication with your center backs. And uh, our one of our center backs is she's the captain. She's the captain of the Serbian national team. But like she does not speak English. <laughs> she probably could speak the least amount of English of anyone on the team. Um, she's a phenomenal player, but it was really, really hard for me to get on the same page with her. Um, and she's also very intimidating. She's very, very loud, very vocal. And I mean, I knew she'd be yelling at me, but I didn't know what she was saying half the time, <laughs> which maybe was a good thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, I did really notice the difference, though. Um, I I think the, the biggest difference, I would say, um, going up to like the professional level was the speed of play, you know, I've played with a lot of really talented players here for sure. Like, you know, that could easily keep up out there, but things happen. So, you know, you need to know what you're doing with the ball, you know, two passes before it gets to you, three passes before it gets to you. Um, And it took me, like, I think two or three practices to really, like, click and get into that pace. Um, But... It, it felt good though, you know, like as intimidating as it was. And I, I was frustrated with the language. Um, it was really nice to be playing because that's what I was there for. And the rest of it, that was so intimidating, you know, like the different culture and not being able to really communicate that kind of all goes away when you're playing at least a little bit. Um, so yeah, I felt, I felt good after that first session, but it was really after the first game that, um, I really settled in. So how did the um, how did the season pan out then for you? Um, the whole season. Um, well, that so that was like a a preseason tournament kind of thing. Um, we my first game was we played Madrid, and they were fantastic. <laughs> that was very intimidating, but um, we we beat them one zero, which was really exciting. Nice. Um, yeah, we went back to Serbia from there, um, and the regular season didn't start till September. So we were like, I got kind of settled and got into training, um, but 
but then we went we played champions league games uh, at the end of august and those were in montenegro so it was more traveling um and those games were incredible i mean those were definitely the best um that was my favorite experience of that of the entire um my time there and yeah i mean just the level was unbelievable um and being able to like keep up with that too was it just like felt really good to me like i was supposed to be there and i was good enough to be there um i got really really sick (laughs) when i was there i think the jet lag and everything had caught up to me um i had like just the nastiest cold and (laughs) this is probably off topic but they the doctor like they have so many drugs there i <laughs> the doctor gave me these uh nose drops that i actually still have and i use them sometimes because you just put like a drop in and it just you can breathe i feel like it burns like everything in your brain <laughs> <laughs> i don't know the drugs that they gave me during that time were amazing <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do any like drug testing after these Champions League games, did they? <laughs> well, you know that's that's a whole other thing actually. I can get into because I did have to take some like vitamins. I'm saying that in quotation marks because I'm still not really sure what they were. But um, I was not drug tested. I I think a few of our players were, and I think everything was fine. So <laughs> I'm assuming it was fine, but <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm not sure. <laughs> So that would definitely that would definitely be different, but it does sound kind of amazing. I kind of want to see if I can Amazon some nose drops from Serbia now. Just for the next time I have a call. Yeah. So so, the, so so what were the stadiums like? Um, obviously, uh, the, the the one in Montenegro, like um, that was your first taste of Champions League football, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you weren't just, you weren't just playing in rinky dink arenas, but they like proper like football stadiums. Yeah, there was. I mean, I I can't remember where they are now the names of them but one of them was very big it was really cool i mean it wasn't like a packed stadium (laughs) but um it was cool to play like on just a stage like that um that was yeah obviously a really incredible experience for me um going back to serbia was actually we actually had a lot of people that came out to those games um i was actually really impressed with the support that the women's team has there. They do have a men's team as well. I, I don't know what division they're in. Um, like, I don't think they play in the same league as Red Star Belgrade, but um, it's like a very, soccer is very big in that community, which is really cool to see. Um, so we always had, you know, a pretty good crowd at our games. And there was kind of this weird little um, uh group of people that would come to like all our practices too (laughs) it always made me laugh a little bit but it was kind of fun to like you know have people follow us and actually you know care to support us um you know people don't think that the game is as like that well supported but it really is i mean like you know you see the 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 amount of people that even go and watch the canadian women's team right i mean there is yeah a a big following um and like it's uh it's really cool you get to play in the champions league like i mean like yeah you're you're the only person i know that has so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's still like i sometimes feel like it's just like another lifetime like i i sometimes can't believe it myself um it's i'm still like a bit better the the year after uh the season after i was there they um, made it to the round of 16 or 16 or 32 i can't remember but they got to play Bayern munich and they got to go to like munich and play in this beautiful stadium and oh <laughs> it's <was> very sad <laughs> <laughs> montenegro munich uh, you know I, i'd rather go to montenegro so um so how long did you get to stay in there before um so i was there about five months um i ended up coming home because i had a knee injury um it it wasn't like an acl tear or anything like that but i had patellar tendonitis um which turns out to be like the worst injury i've ever had even though it's not like a serious injury um but yeah it was definitely an overuse kind of thing and it actually got really really bad towards the end um of the first half of the season there like i I missed a lot of games towards the end and I was having trouble, you know, even getting up the stairs to my apartment. Wow. So yeah, it was unfortunate. And so like, 
that's not like you could call out for help because nobody could understand you right so yeah it, um, was, <laughs> it was very frustrating being there injured uh i think i i realized how far behind they are just in terms of um like strength and conditioning for one thing and also rehab um they just take a very different approach than what i'm used to and i was frustrated by it and also frustrated that i couldn't communicate that properly because because i mean if you look at it like i mean like you've got a knee injury and you have to walk up six flights of stairs so <laughs> you know that's uh it's not the greatest uh rehab to have so yeah. um so 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 what what did you what was your plan then when you came back to to canada um whew. i didn't really have much of a plan um i knew that like i needed to rehab um i I went through a lot when I was in Serbia, just, um, I did a lot of thinking. Um, I'm quite introspective and I mean, those that know me, they're very aware of that, but I, I spent a lot of time on my own, uh, when I was playing there, just mostly because of the language barrier. Uh, and so I actually, I spent a lot of my time writing and reading and, um, I, as amazing as it was, I mean, playing at this level that I always dreamed of playing, it wasn't that awesome. Like, you know, I was quite literally living my dream. You know, I'd had that dream since I was a kid. I always dreamt of playing in Europe, um, but it wasn't as great as I thought it would be. And I was really trying to get to the bottom of why that was. Um, and I think I kind of came to the conclusion that like, I loved the soccer, but the rest of it just wasn't enough. Um, which I mean, it is the reality of a lot of players like playing abroad, you know, you are going to be isolated, uprooted. You're not going to have community. You're not going to have, um, much support or like things to do when you're off the field. And <laughs> there is a lot of time off the field. Uh, so when I got back to Calgary, um, I actually kind of, cut myself off from soccer for a while um i i kind of came back with this uh really strong desire to write um it was something that i always loved growing up um it was something i excelled at but it was never really nurtured um and i i do feel like i was led to believe that studying something like english at university wasn't worthwhile, which, you know, I think is too bad. Um, but yeah, in Serbia, I found my way back to it, which I'm very, very fortunate, um, and happy for. Um, and I wasn't actively thinking about, I guess, getting into like where I am now with journalism. I, I didn't come back and think like, Oh, I'm going to do journalism. Um, I mostly just knew I wanted to write and I wanted to pour myself into that. And, um, yeah, so I spent probably like seven months just like rehabbing. It took a long time for my knee to actually like get better. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's a brutal injury. Um, I actually, it, someone told me it was the same one like Owen Hargraves had, I think towards the end of his career. Um, he, he like literally was never the same player again. Like he, I think he moved to Manchester City and he probably played like two games and then had to retire. So yeah, yeah I can... It really sucks. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, looking back, I do realize, I'm like, okay, yeah, I didn't take any time off for two years straight. So maybe I can understand, like, how it happened. But um, it's a really tough one to rehab. Um, I had to see a lot of different people and do a lot of, like, retraining of my muscles <laughs> um, and get, like, my knee firing properly again. Uh, but... I needed that time away. Um, and yeah, I mean, I say it was like, I was kind of severed myself from soccer for seven months and it doesn't sound like that long, but it's a really long time <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of like, if you look at it, like that's a year when you think about it. Like, I mean, you've got your five months in Serbia yeah, and then your seven months when you go back. So it's like pretty much yeah. a year of kind of cutting yourself off from a lot of things in your life. Right. So, I mean, um, yeah. the, the fact that you're, like when you're I, I, when i was a, when i was younger i got to live in denmark for a few months like like three or four months and luckily everybody there speaks english but it's not mm -hmm. the same as where you're from right yeah and um, when you're kind of cut off a little bit and you're 
on your own a lot it's it's definitely a hard go so mm-hmm. you know um it's the, the five months like the great thing is you're going to get to look back and be retrospective and say hey i got to do the dream i wanted mm-hmm. and rather than five years on the road saying i wish i'd done this you know what i mean yeah, so exactly <laughs> and you've also and you've also got a great book out of it so <laughs> <laughs> you know like there's always that too so um so, so yeah. you you mentioned there you're 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 taking journalism at king's college right yeah it's, yeah university of king's so um so i know you write some articles in there so how did you get involved with that is that part of the like the the course the yeah. curriculum or um so yeah the signal is um it's like the online publication for the school of journalism so um, part of our, one of our courses is like a news workshop essentially. And we write stories for that. So I was contributing, um, you know, usually two stories a week doing that, which is, you know, it's a much different kind of writing. It's very like fast turnaround. Um, but I mean, I, I felt lucky that I was able to like write a lot of stories that interested me. Um, and yeah. And earlier in the program too, we did other kind of stories too i did a longer form piece that i ended up selling to the chronicle herald even though nice. i was in school so that congrats was cool. that's awesome yeah thank you so um so i i did you did write um i did see one of your pieces there about the, mm-hmm. the lack of uh female coaches yeah that's um <laughs> yeah so so um what 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 do you think needs to be done to like i, I didn't i actually didn't realize you were an assistant coach yourself uh, uh saint of x yeah. Um, but, so, so what what do you think needs to be done to help increase the numbers? Because it is seriously lacking. Um, like, like you know, it's it's not good the way. Like the the system isn't designed for women to get into the coaching side of it. I, I feel so. Yeah. What do you think they need to do to change it? Mm. <laughs> That's a big one. Um, yeah, I, I'm careful to say that it's like a complex issue, but it definitely is a very large conversation with many many different parts um you know i got into that a lot in that story and i actually learned a lot about it too just in writing it because i had my own experience the knowledge from that but um i guess yeah you can look at it one from that systemic approach which is what organizations like cause the canadian association for the advancement of women in sport um what they do and that involves looking at you know, okay, we have women in these positions now, how do we keep them here? Um, because in a, an environment or organization doesn't support a woman in that role, then they're not going to last. So even if we create that position for the woman or give them that opportunity, if it's not built to support them, then there's really no point. Um, and that's where, you know, something like having a kid will come into play. Um, you know, the two coaches I interviewed for that story... Uh, Marissa Colsey, Cindy Ty, they're at SMU and Dow. Um, you know, they talked at length about that because they both have kids uh, and both their kids essentially grew up on the field, uh, on the bus. Um, so talking from a university coaching standpoint, um, kids need to be allowed in those spaces. And that comes down to like your athletic director and just the university as a whole being receptive to that. Um in addition, I would say, you know, I'll use that saying, but you, if you can see it, you can be it. Um, that visibility is huge. Um, and it's something that I actually, like, didn't really think about that much. But growing up, I never had a female coach. And I, I never had much ambition myself to be a coach. But I do wonder if maybe part of that is just because I didn't, really see any maybe it just never occurred to me that I could um like that might be part of it um and there's also just giving women opportunities <laughs> um and that's not just in sport you know like that's kind of a problem in a lot of places in leadership positions you know like CEOs boards um you know people hire who they're comfortable with and people who look like them um and I know it's more of a thing in the States, I think, but um, when, I don't know if you know about Title IX, uh, that was, I think that was in like the 70s, um, 
women actually were in like 90% of head coaching positions for women's teams, uh, which is pretty incredible. Wow. But Title That's nine crazy. came into play and which is, I mean, it is a good thing because um, it essentially made universities um, provide equal funding for men's and women's sports. So it's like, yeah, cool. Like that's great for women's sports. But at the end of the day, with all that money flowing into women's sports, um, the coaches' salaries went up. So then suddenly more men were interested in those jobs and then they started getting hired over the women. Um, And that's something I actually like didn't really know about before I wrote that story. So that was really interesting to learn about um, just how that's like happened and kind of stayed that way. Because, yeah, like these coach, these coaching positions are becoming more and more um, desirable. And so when it's like more competition and there's more men, you know, in for these jobs, a lot of them are getting hired over women um, based on, again, like there's so many factors that come into play. But um, I mean, you, you even look at like uh, like Phil Neville, like, I mean, like, you know, 20 years ago, that type of that type of guy wouldn't be interested in coaching yeah women's soccer and now he's like the coach of the english team right it's just because yeah. obviously there's the high profile and then obviously the, the, the money too right that's not kid ourselves yeah. that people don't do these things for money so do, do you think about uh getting back into coaching yourself is it something you want to do or you, like you just want to <laughs> um <laughs> i've asked that question quite a bit <laughs> by a lot of different people in my life um i've never taken to coaching uh quite naturally it's something i feel like i should want to do or like should be good at but i um i don't know like i yeah i coached when i was younger just you know assistant coaching like youth teams um and then graham asked me to come coach in 2018 at cnfx uh which i think actually that was a really good thing for me I was actually really happy I did that because I think as I said you know playing professionally kind of hurt my relationship with soccer a little bit and just being back in that university environment reminded me why I love the game Um, but I felt my time there was more I guess what I brought to that role wasn't as much on the field stuff I found I was more of a support off the field or just someone that the players could come to because I really had been in their shoes. Um, I think I was relatable in that way. Um, I also did a lot of video analysis when I was there. Um, and that's actually something I really, really like. Um, I kind of like the behind the scenes stuff in coaching so I could do all that work, um, and kind of relay information to Graham and he ran most of the sessions. Um, I find for me with coaching, I, I don't have a very big voice um, or a big presence. It's, and you know, maybe it's something I could learn and be better at, but it's not comfortable for me. Um, I but think you, I'd, sorry. you've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's uh, yeah. like you kind of said earlier on that you're kind of, you're a cerebral footballer. Yeah. Um, so it, it sounds like you're very analytical and, yeah. you know, running out and putting tones somewhere isn't exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so good at like the planning, <laughs> you know, <it's> like practice <laughs> planning. And I also, I, I really just don't know how to break things down because soccer is very intuitive for me as like, you know, cerebral as I am in the game. I'm also very creative and I don't really believe in like, oh, when you're here, like, you should do this with the ball. Um, that's not how I play. And so it's very hard for me to teach that because, um, you know, a lot of time players will ask you, like, oh, like, well, when the ball's there and I'm facing this way and, you know, they have all these very specific questions, but soccer is so fluid. It's so dynamic. Like, it's never the same. So I don't really know how to teach that. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, it definitely is because it's a, like, although it's a team sport, it's also an individual sport too because everybody has their own, like, way of playing the game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I totally get it. So, 
Um, so, so I do you not play football at all anymore. Have you finished with it altogether because of your oh, injury or? Goodness, no. <laughs> okay. I'll probably never be done. Um, I actually I had offers to play overseas. They've kind of they keep popping up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I actually that... had a, an offer to play in Sweden like the same week that I um, had applied to go back to school, <laughs> which was a lot to way and consider um but yeah sometimes you know i really really miss it and i really want to do it but then other times i i kind of remember like i didn't love it that much and but then i'm always left with like what if it's different somewhere else you know um i'm not sure but i am playing in halifax i'm playing in a, the women's league here and i'm really really enjoying that it's yeah, I think this is the first time in a long time I've been able to enjoy soccer <laughs> just for fun for, you know, and it's a, it's a competitive league, but it is so, just fun right now. <laughs> so, 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 so do you hear like people whispering like, there's that girl that played in the Champions League. <laughs> I'm going to show her how good I am. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really, I don't think people know me here. I don't really know. <laughs> oh, I, I'd be walking around with a t-shirt saying I played in the Champions League. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're missing a lot of opportunities. Um, so I, I, I don't want to keep you for like the rest of your life here. We, I, I feel like we could talk about this for, forever. Um, yeah, we could probably talk for days. <laughs> <laughs> but I really want to thank you for coming on the show. It, it, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. it's, it's, a, it's I think a lot of people are going to like I think there's going to be more people coming behind you who will mm. probably appreciate you telling your story because um, they'll probably need to know <laughs> how to how to ask for stuff in Serbia. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's so, that's the so, thing people want to know. <laughs> so so thank you very much. Um, Bring me sunshine in your smile. Bring me laughter. All the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me Any tears You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Thanks again to Alex for being my guest this week. I'll add a link to her article about female coaches on Facebook. On Friday, we will be releasing our Fury Wilder 2 podcast, so watch out for that. As always, you can subscribe on downthepub.ca so you don't miss an episode. So until next time, cheers. Cheers.